Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. A very special shout out and thank you to my Patreon sponsors. And you can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. And I don't say this enough, but thank you for your support. I get messages and emails from listeners from all over the world all the time. And it's just the most wonderful gift to be able to share this journey with you, no matter where you are. And if you're listening in Australia, a reminder that the Australian Friends of the Camino Conference is coming up on the 17th to the 19th of February. It's a celebration of all things Camino. It's a chance to reconnect with other pilgrims, a weekend of memories and information, fun including presentations and workshops, displays. We're going to walk as well and reflections. And the focus this year is the journey and beyond. A chance to relive your Camino experiences with fellow peregrinos to share knowledge with new pilgrims, perhaps even planning their first Camino and enjoy that treasured Camino camaraderie. I'm actually playing on the Saturday night Uh, doing a show, and then on Sunday I'm hosting a panel discussion with a number of pilgrims who have managed to bring home their Camino experience. I can vouch for the conference. I was lucky enough to attend the last one in 2019 before COVID, and it was pure magic. It was just such a delight. So for all the details, go to AFOTC, Australian Friends of the Camino.org, and I'll see you there. Pilgrims around the world share a love of travel, of adventure, of exploration, and of discovery. Well, my friend Katie Trulson, who I love so much, Katie, is up in North Queensland. She's about two days' drive from me here, but we stay in touch. She posted on Facebook this week a, a, a quote. It's, it's from, it says it's unknown, anonymous contributor, but it's so magic. I had to share it with you. When I say I want to travel, I don't mean I want to stay at fancy resorts or buy keychains from souvenir shops. When I say I want to travel, I mean I want to explore another place and become part of it. I want to discover coffee shops and hidden streets in Europe. I want to hike mountains and walk along quiet beaches. I want to meet people who are not like me, but people who I can like all the same. I want to photograph the people and places I see. I want my mind to be in constant awe of life on earth. I want to see things with new eyes. I want to look at a map and be able to remember how I was transformed by the places I have been to, the people I have met, and the things I have seen. This, I think, is what is at the heart of adventure, and that is exactly why I plan on making my life an adventure. Now, the Camino is an adventure, and the Camino brings us together. There's a, a Camino friend, a, a Camino brother of mine, Steve Wolfer from Eagle, Idaho. I spoke to Steve a couple of years ago on the podcast. We stay in touch from time to time, dropping emails here and there and messages here and there, commenting on one another's pictures on Facebook. He's done the Camino many times. He has a brand new book out. We're going to talk about it. Steve's on the line from Eagle, Idaho. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Good to be here. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing this via Zoom, Zoom, which I never, ever do, so I can see you, which is kind of a, an unusual thing for me. I don't normally do that, but I, I want to get to your new book in just a minute. But there was a book during the COVID lockdown as well that you sent me. Tell me about that book, because that was a celebration of life in the most difficult of circumstances. The book came about because, well, not to make not to take light of the of all the bad that happened. You know, there was people that suffered and there was death and there was bad things that happened. But 
But with that is people lock themselves in. Now, depending where you live, where I live in very rural Idaho and, you know, out in the northwest of the United States, we we have a lot of outdoors that we could go out. So but still people locked themselves in and didn't get out. So the book for me, it was called Walking Through a Pandemic. And it was mostly for me therapeutic because rather than sitting and watching the news and all the negativity and and being depressed, I went for a walk every day. And I, 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 I can take that. Um, I could say that a lot of that experience came from the Camino from getting out and walking every day. Yeah. And my love of walking came, came from, from, from the Camino and that experience. So I, um, I took rather than, you know, being uh, diving into pity and, and depression, I went out with my camera and walked and, you know, I had work conference calls and work calls to do, and I would do them on a trail with my camera. And uh, so I, I called the book "Walking Through a Pandemic: Social Distancing and Nature," yeah. and uh, it was it was more of a coffee table book than anything else. And and that you know it was more of um, therapeutic for me, I think, than than you know not getting weighed down by the by all of the negativity and and the depression. And you know the, people were going through some serious stuff, but I think a lot of it was. Um, because they didn't go outside, because they did lock themselves up, because they didn't go out and do, you know, while while all of that bad stuff was happening, the sun was coming up every day, the birds were chirping, the river was flowing, and stuff was happening. And, uh, you know, the birds didn't know there was a pandemic going on. So to go out and, and walk and see the deer and the animals and, and everything was, to me, amazing. Now, again, not to take light of the bad, but I love the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic was great for me. I, uh, I didn't have to travel for work and, and I got to go for long hikes every day. And, uh, no, it was fantastic. So have you always been a walker or has walking come into your life? I think we're roughly the same age, but have you always been a walker? Well, yes and no. I, when I was younger, I was a backpacker and, and then, you know, as life gets busy with kids and, everything that comes along with, uh, with family stuff. I, I didn't walk as much as I did when I was, when I was younger, but I will say that since the Camino's come into my life, I try to walk every day. And sometimes it's at 10 PM and sometimes it's at 4 AM, but I try to walk every day to make sure, because I never know when somebody's going to call and say, we need to put you in right now. <laughs> and so <laughs> I want to be ready to go on the Camino if, the, if, if I ever get the call to put me in. But it's, uh, you know, you said we're roughly the same age. As you know, as we get older, if you're not walking every day, it gets harder to get into that walk in shape too. So I I do try, I try to walk every day. Yeah. Um, my goal is at least, uh, at least five miles or, or seven, eight kilometers a day minimum. And uh, some days are harder to do that. Like yesterday, I got um, eight kilometers in the airport, you know, and, and, and layovers and where I was. So Rather than sitting sitting there watching people walk by, I I just walked, and uh, so I, you got to make do with where you are. I do that too. Every airport I go to, I walk until I'm asked to board. I just walk back and forth. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Me too. If I'm in a hotel and it's the bad weather outside, I walk the hallways and up and down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. When my dad had um, heart surgery, uh, and he he was in Queensland in Australia and it was really the summer was the hottest summer they'd ever had uh, so he his doctor said you know you really need to sort of exercise so he would go to the to the to the mall and, and he'd walk 15 k's in the mall in the air conditioning every day 
he, I said, did anybody ever, st- ever ask you what you were doing? He said, not once. Not once. He went every day for months and months and months and just walked and walked for hours all around the mall in the air conditioning and, and nobody ever asked him what he was doing. So funny, yeah. No, I walk as well. So how fast are you walking if you're out tomorrow morning in Eagle, Idaho? How, do you know how fast you walk? Yeah, so again, um, talking about miles, not kilometers, but if I'm walking and just like on a fast pace, a little like 3.3 miles an hour. Okay. But if I'm walking and taking pictures and visiting with someone, it's usually like three miles an hour. Um that's flat. You know, if I'm in the hills, it's a little bit different. Um, here where I live, it's I can walk both flat and then get up into the mountains pretty quickly, too. So I walk, you know, this time of year, it's all flat because it's, there's snow on the mountains. But um, yeah, but I, three miles an hour. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not in a race. I'm, yeah. I, I, no, how many, no matter how many times I ask for it, I never get a trophy. So I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, now walking and and this stage of your life where you discovered the Camino, you're out out on the Camino. Uh, how many Caminos have you done now, Steve? I've done four. Okay. Yep. So I'm yep. hoping to do the Camino Primitivo later this year. Tell us about you and the Camino Primitivo because that's uh, an episode of your life that's occurred since we last spoke and it's a very special journey. Tell us about that. Yeah, thank you. It, it, you know, when we visited last, I was getting ready to go on it, and that's kind of what stemmed our conversation. Is um, I went with my daughter. Yeah. My oldest daughter had just graduated from high school on June second of two thousand nineteen, and on June fifth, we were walking. Um, we were in Oviedo, starting the the Camino Primitivo, and um, it was wonderful from the perspective of it's just beautiful that part of it is just that part of the Camino is very, um, it's very different than most of the other stretches. But what was best was I was with my daughter. Yeah. So she just graduated from high school. And, you know, I think initially she agreed to it because she knew it would make me happy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hanging out with dad on your first week of summer break after high school probably wasn't high on her priority. But when, when we came back and and uh, and now when we talk about it, she talks about it um, in very, uh, you know, very warmly. And we, we we all the time we have these little things that only her and I have, you know, little stories, little little things that happen to us that we can we can bring up and, and laugh about. And, and there were some characters that we met um, on that on that trip that we both could just mention a name or a situation and we both chuckle and no one else knows what we're laughing about. But. It was it was really really a great experience. Um, you'll you'll soon find out it's very different than the Francaise. Maybe maybe like similar to the beginning, but it's up and down a lot of a lot of mountain, a lot of very rural areas, which for me is was my favorite part. Um, I uh, we luckily we met some amazing um, people that walked with us um, right from the get go. And ironically, they were really my wife is from Spain. And um, ironically, just by pure chance, they were two of the women that we walked with were from the next town over from where my wife is from. So we had a lot of commonalities as far as no, I knew a lot of the places they um, spent a lot of time and 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 we we had that in common. But we uh, I met these we met these wonderful people, and it was interesting these two women because you know my daughter's with her dad. She then had these other other uh, two women to hang out with that. You know that they had their conversations while, while you know, not all dad all the time. So that was good too. Yeah, um, how yeah. fantastic! 
walking so you, with your daughter and sharing those memories that's so true because having walked with my sons uh, and my wife uh, uh, just early late last year that was one of the true joys we still talk about it those little stories and those little things that happened and the you know there's the memories and moments that you treasure forever but i wanted to get to that and you talked about your wife and and so you you, you go to spain as a young guy and, and you you meet the the girls down the hall and and your whole life changes. Tell, tell me about your relationship with Spain because it's a very, very warm and loving relationship, isn't it? Oh, my. It's, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes we all, whatever it is in life, you have assumptions to what you preconceived ideas of what things are like. And being an American in the Spanish culture, I assumed... Um, unfortunately, I assume Spain was going to be similar to Mexico, just because there are proximity neighbors here, speak the same language, but that's really where it stops. But I didn't know that. I'd taken a couple years of Spanish in high school, thought I thought I uh, could command it, you know, an audience at my at my beckoning whenever I wanted. But <laughs> after uh, my first step out of the airport, I quickly realized that I could not speak Spanish. And uh, my uh, my everything I knew uh, about the Spanish culture was completely wrong. Um, and but in very short order, I found out that I I love it. I love everything about the food, the people, the the way that they live, um, the way that they their their sense of humor. Um, you know, the, the only thing I don't like is um, I'm a little bit of a on the time, you know, as you, as you call me a spreadsheet pilgrim, <laughs> which doesn't always line up with the Spanish, the Spanish culture very well, because they're not very timely to put it, put it, but that's what makes them so uh, warm and, and, and the way that they are is nothing is in a hurry. But um, I was fortunate to, um, to, to be able to live there. Um, kind of, I'll, I'll make real short part of the story real, real short, but I'd finished college and I had a job I didn't like and I got a postcard from a buddy of mine and the, and he'd went to Spain on an exchange program and stayed. He never came home. And the postcard read, I went, I, I was on my way into the office and the postcard read, dude, I live in this 500 year old building, rents cheap, drinks are cheap, food's cheap. Women come and cook and clean for me. It's, it's natural and correct. When are you coming? <laughs> and he guy was a real funny guy it had a it had a phone number at the bottom i laughed put the postcard in my pocket and i went to work and the guy that i worked with started yelling at me about something i had nothing to do with and i said wait just a minute and i walked downstairs and from his phone long distance i called the number on the postcard and i got a hold of my friend chuck and I, and we both laughed i said i got the postcard and we we both laughed about it and I said, are you serious about me coming? And he says, yeah, I, said, I need a, in fact, I need a new roommate. And I said, I'll be there in two weeks. And I sold everything I owned. And so I was 24, I think at the time. So everything I owned was a fish tank, two fish tanks, a futon, a motorcycle and a Jeep. <laughs> so I pretty loaded. <laughs> I sold everything, dropped my dog off at my parents' house and I moved to Spain and, uh, and everything changed from that moment on to, um, you know, to becoming um, just so, so close to, to everything Spanish. And um, and then eventually meeting my wife to be um, and then to moving back and forth to eventually getting married in Spain. And then we moved back to the States and and then we've been going back and forth now for 
30 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So in many ways, getting that postcard uh, and, and going downstairs to make that telephone call was your first sacred step. And now here you are still walking each day, more sacred steps. And it's the book Sacred Blisters is about your life and your journey and your Camino journey. But it's also the, the tale of, of, of your marriage and your family and, and indeed even your history. We're uh, very proud of your family's history. Tell us about the book. Maybe we'll start with the first question being the process of writing it. When did the idea come into your mind and, and, and how did you go about the process of writing it? And we'll talk about the content later, perhaps. Well, so a couple things is, you know, the world needs another book about the Camino, like, like, like it needs <laughs> so many other things. There's, you know, everybody comes home and wants to write a book. So I, I, I'm not, um, my vanity um, isn't the reason for it. So first and foremost, I want to get this out of the way that I, my intention wasn't to be an automatic bestseller and to hold myself out as a, as a, uh, as a beret wearing uh, poet and author. Um, but it was more of, you know, one of the things I learned right when I first started meeting pilgrims is everybody walks, walks it for a different reason. Everybody has a story and you learn so many interesting things and you meet so many interesting people that I found myself reflecting on it all the time. And, and after I met people and, and after my return, I would, I would make notes all the time about different people and different things and different different wonderful things that they said or that I learned about them or that was a reflection on life that was that I could take home with me and use in my everyday life. And I started writing these down from from my first Camino. And, and, and as I listened to other pilgrims that maybe I didn't even meet, but that I met through listening on your show or some of the other wonderful podcasts that are out there, little things that people say about the Camino or about life or about lessons learned, it really started becoming something for me that I could take and improve my, my, my outlook. And especially now in a world of negativity, it is so wonderful to have such a positive influence. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was I noticed when talking to people about the Camino is most people know about St. James and they know a little bit about that history, but they really don't know um, much more than that. And the whole story from St. James himself, even before that, with the with the Celts and the and the the Wayline and the, all of the wonderful magic juju that's there, yeah. a lot of people don't know that other than you know the little bit of the St. James. So I I love history and I and I and I love that part of the Camino, um, you know the the the, the religious and the non-religious aspects of that history are all to me fascinating. So I also wanted to include in my book a little bit, not the historical, like a history book, your 10th grade history lesson where on this date, this happened and these people, it was more like, you know, here's what happened. Yeah. These guys were out walking around and, and, and you know, they, they, th this is their encounter and this is what happened. And so my intent wasn't to be a, a, a you know, a by the book history book, but it was, it was weaving in the stories with the history and different things that happened um, you know, along the way, I was fortunate, my last Camino that I did this last fall in October, November, to do the spiritual variant. Um, I'm not sure if you've had the opportunity to do that part yet. But the historical part of that where you actually 
take the boat ride where where they brought St. James' body back from the Holy Lands, and you actually get off the boat, and then you you can see where the it, there's the church there in Padron, where you can see the altar, which was an old Roman altar dedicated to Neptune. That that you stand next to the the altar where they put his body before they put it on a cart and took it to Santiago. So like that history to me even even makes it that much more special. You know, the pilgrim, the people, the story, and then add on to it the history. To me, it's just it's so much more fascinating. And I really felt that I wanted to tell that story. Now, a lot of the people listening to your show know the history way better than I know it. But I wanted to tell it in a way that wasn't maybe, um, you know, like I said, like a history book, more of kind of a fun way of looking at the history. Yeah, yeah. So, Pedron, how do you get there? Where are you walking from and where are you walking to on that spiritual route? So, so the, the, uh, the Camino, the, the Portuguese, whether you're doing the coastal route or the central route, you come together um, and um, in a town called, um, oh my gosh, I could have just told you if you didn't ask me what it was. There's a town you come to that um, that's in Spain and it's it's about two days walk to before you get to Santiago. Um, and when you get when you get there, the, the trail forks and you can either walk straight to Santiago or um, it, it, you walk in, 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 or you can take a left fork and you walk over to the coast. And there's an inlet there where you there you get on a boat and the last part it's two day walk over and that two day walk is incredible it's super beautiful you walk over this mountain and there's this one stretch that you walk through by this creek that it's called the walk of stone and water where there's i don't know 20 or 30 old grist mills that are along the river that are you know hundreds and hundreds of years old and then you walk through um, miles of, of, of vineyards, and then you get to this little port city where there you get on a boat and you go up the river, which you have to time it with the tide, so they, they only leave certain times every day, and then it lands in Padron. And in Padron is where they brought um, St. James' body off the boat and, 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 then, and then carted it up to Santiago. So along that river where you're following that estuary in, they have all of these crosses that from from mid- medieval times so that the boats knew they were on the right path. And you follow these uh, crosses in and they're just they're beautiful crosses that are just along the riverside. Wow. And uh, it's really remarkable. And so it's really kind of, um, you know, the Primitivo that we talked about earlier, that's the first pilgrimage. And it was, you know, the when 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 they when when the when the fellow found the St. James's body. The king at the time, Alfonso II, and the um, the bishop at the time walked from Oviedo to Santiago to determine and to verify that it was St. James. This is they that's the first one, and then this they say is the other original the original Camino because it's where they brought his body back from the Holy Lands to Santiago, where it rests today. Wow. So both of those very impactful from the historical part. And and to me, as as I was walking, and I would mention something because I like to read all that stuff. Being a spreadsheet pilgrim that I am, <laughs> I like to I like to read all that stuff ahead of time. So as I was walking, I would mention it to people, and everyone would look at me like I was some kind of weirdo. Which 
maybe isn't because of the history. Maybe it's another reason. But <laughs> they would they would look at me in all sorts of, of like, you know, what are you talking about? And I realized that a lot, a lot of pilgrims didn't really know that part of of the story as far as, you know, they knew St. James was there and they know people have been making this for a long time. But all of these little pieces to me are fascinating yeah. and add to the to the magic of the whole thing, really. Oh, yeah. And if you can retrace those steps, those sacred steps, what a wonderful yeah. journey to do. I think a lot of people yeah. listening will be thinking, oh, I just love the Camino Francaise and that's, I'm happy to do it. I've done it, well, parts of it three times now. And I'm looking forward to the Primitivo later this year because it's going to be a, a real challenge as I understand it. It's very up and down, but quite beautiful and, and, and much more challenging as I understand it than the Francaise. But going back to, to the Portuguese, Steve, walking through that aspect of history were you surprised by its impact on you how moved you were by the history it's and and that is part of my allure to spain not just the camino but spain in general now you living in australia and me living in the united states history is, is relatively new for us yeah and having to be able to walk into that old history is is remarkable um, I tell people all the time a real, a real interesting story is my, Maria's first time in the United States, um, her first Thanksgiving here, we all went to my family's house um, in, uh, in in Newport, Oregon. And it's very tradition here in the United States, the day after um, Thanksgiving, the women all go shopping. And the men either watch football or go do something. And we, the, my my dad and brothers, we went we went fishing. And um, and the wife, the, the wives and, and, and women all went to Portland, Oregon to go shopping. And after they went shopping, my mom and my aunt and, and my brother's girlfriend at the time, they went on a tour of this old house in downtown Portland, Oregon, that was uh, kind of an old um, historical old house from the 1860s. And on the way home, my mom said to Maria, she said, wasn't that really something seeing that old house? And my mom and, and and Maria looked at my mom and said, "You know, the house we live in in Spain is a hundred years older than that house." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so to put it in perspective, we we don't really have that here, and and where you are similarly, it, the history is very new. I will say, however, I, I, I will just say, Steve, the the, the original owners of the land have been here for 60,000 years. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, without yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I'm not thinking, yeah. I'm not, I don't mean to make light of, of no, that. Of the not. same thing here. Um, yeah. Can, yeah, yeah, our, our, uh, my family ranch is um, actually borders uh, 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 an Indian reservation in Northern California. Yeah. And uh, very, very, we have Indian arrowheads and all kinds of stuff yeah. we find all over. It's, it's remarkable and amazing. So yeah, yeah. not, yeah. it's a modern, modern history of course, from of that, course. that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, but with that said is Spain, the Camino really is, is that, I mean, it goes, the Celts, it goes back even before that. And, and as you know, you know, part of the Francais, when you finish, there's a couple spots where you walk towards the end, where you walk by those old Celtic Castros. Remember the, the mm. Celtic Castros yeah. where those, you know, those are long before, you know, before the time of Christ and, you know, hundreds of years before that. Um, in the town where my wife is from in southern Spain, there's it was a Phoenician seaport, um, you know, and they, they've they've found Phoenician um, helmets and whatnot in the river. 
And it's, you know, that, that part to me is just, you know, um, and as you're walking through these villages and through these towns and you walk over many Roman bridges and all that stuff, um, it's, I, I don't know, that part of it to me is just remarkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you take these little snapshots in the book, Sacred Steps. You take these little historical snapshots, you combine them with your journey, your sacred steps and, mm-hmm. and your personal journey. Tell us about the day when you put the last full stop on the book and said, it's done. Well, you know, I, I didn't really ever do that because um, after I sent it to the publisher, I thought, you know, there's like six more chapters I should have wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so it was hard. I think it was more of a time than it was an actual finish because the way I look at it too is it really never will finish for me because I want to keep not only making new memories, making new friends. Um, I, you know, um, what somebody asked once asked me, you know, what are you look most looking forward to your next Camino? And I said, all the new friends I'm going to make. Yeah. And, uh, so the stories and the adventures and even the new history that I'm going to learn about when I'm there, um, the, the book that when I came to an end, is kind of like, you know, it's done, it's finished for now, but there's a lot more to come, whether I write a book or not, I, I don't know. But for me personally, the book, the, the, the sacred blisters continues hopefully for many, many more, many more Caminos to come. So when you talk about blisters, why sacred <laughs> blisters here? <laughs> well, I've been very fortunate that I, I, I've had a few blisters a few times on the Camino, but I, I kind of have a regimen to, to that I, you know, changing my socks and taking care of my feet is kind of something that I, um, that I, I, I do, but Sacred blisters to me, the name was more than the actual blisters themselves. It's part of what makes the Camino so special to me is it's not easy. And if it was easy, then it, there wouldn't there it wouldn't be so it, magical. It wouldn't be so everybody would do it, and it would be like going to Disneyland. It wouldn't be putting your backpack and all your stuff in your in your pack and and walking all day. So the blisters part of it to me, you know, whether you you get real blisters or using that metaphorical as as the 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 pain involved with it, um, I think that's that's where the name came came from was, you know, making light of the sacred part of it and tying it back to the painful part of it and bringing it all together, um, because I think that I think that hard journey that that difficult part of it now whether it be weather whether it be your feet hurting whether it be you're hungry whether it be you know climbing over a mountain whether it be not finding a good place to stay um you know whatever that is there's there's days that that aren't fun and uh at the end of the day each one of those days you you know you 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 kind of bring it all together and 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 make make it good and you have to you kind of have to laugh at it a lot and you have to uh, get through it. it. It always seems a lot better afterwards. And that's another life lesson, really, is no matter how, and that's a, a chapter in the books about that, no matter how bad things seem at the time, they're always going to get better. And there's always somebody succeeding with far less. Right? Yeah. Well, I think the Camino in many respects is a very humbling experience. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 it makes you realize that you can be, and I mean be, with very little. 
and and perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps that's the best part of you, the best aspect of you, the best version of you is the one with very little. Right? It, and, you know, in life, it's kind of interesting. No matter what you're doing, there's always somebody that has a nicer car, a nicer house, more whatever. When you're on the Camino, we're pretty much it's a level playing field. And it opens up a lot more doors of conversations because we're not start we're starting at a place of equality, and ultimately we're all the same on the inside. But all that other stuff goes away on the Camino because we are all with dealing with the exact same issues, the exact same painful blisters, the exact same weather. You know, no no nobody has a better weather than you do when you're walking. I mean, we yeah. all have the same weather that day. Yeah. And it's that part of it is that that community of mm. all of those things that can happen. It seemed to me it's always um, less troublesome when you're doing it and sharing it with other people too. You know, there's part of it like we're in this together. Yeah. And uh, I, I I met this wonderful I met this lady on this last uh, on this last hike. Her name was Ivy. She's from Taiwan. And I was walking down the road one day, and and I went end of October, beginning of November, which, um, as you may know, in Galicia, that time of the year, it rains a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Northern Portugal, it rains a lot. So it had been raining for a few days, pretty good. And I'm walking down the down, down the middle of this country road um, and raining, and I have my, my uh, hood on, and I passed this woman that was walking in front of me slower. And, I, and I, as I passed her, I said, Buen Camino. And I looked over, and she was in tears. She was in total, total tears. And I said, are you okay? And she said, she said, my dad, my dad died. And I said, just now? And she said, no, three months before. (laughs) And I, I said, and she she said, but I can't stop crying. And I just gave her a big hug. Like right there in that we just, I just gave her a big hug. And, and I said, you know, when I, I walked on the Camino, when we saw on the Primitivo, actually, my dad passed away while we were walking. So I knew, even though a little time lapsed for her, I knew, um, you knew I know the emotions that she was there by herself and kind of going through. And I uh I said, Hey, your dad's right there behind you walking with you. And he's proud of you and he and you're doing you're he's you're doing good. And she said, I just can't stop crying. And I said, you know, you're not crying, it's just your face is raining. Because <laughs> it was raining so much. And so she kind of um, you know, she she came too, and but it was that time alone and then that time with somebody that I later on we we separated and later on came back together and a, a, a day later and ended up I walked the rest of the way with her and completely different person and I, I don't want to get too he- far ahead of the story because then no one will buy the book but <laughs> in the end I had I some, I had something happen to me that made it that I I was in um, I, I ate some bad oysters and I got really 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 sick and uh, we came into this town called Ponte Vedra. Ponte Vedra is the town I was trying to remember earlier where the, yeah. where the trail fort. And uh, uh, she she called, text, she uh, what at, uh, um, texted me and said, where are you staying? And I told her where I was staying. And she said, is there any more room? And I went down and checked and there was. And, she's, and I said, but, I, I, but I'm not going anywhere because I can't move. I can't, I can't do anything. And uh, so I said, I'm just going to stay here tonight. I'm not going to go out on the, I might not even walk tomorrow. And she said, um, um, she said, well, I'll, I'll check in. And, and, uh, about an hour later, my the phone rings and I'm going, oh my gosh, I just want to sleep. Why is she calling me? You know? And I answered the phone and it wasn't her, it was a, a Spanish lady. And she had walked to a pharmacy 
she didn't speak any Spanish. She handed the phone to the pharmacist and the pharmacist said, I'm here with your friend that she doesn't speak any, uh, any Spanish. And she says that you're sick. What's your problem? And so, and so I told her what was happening and she gave her prescriptions. Ivy brought the medicine back to the hotel and she said, yesterday you were my angel today. I'm your angel. Oh, wow. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Just saying, I get goosebumps today. Yeah. And she just, like, that's what happens, right? We were both, we both needed each other in that day, in, in our day. And she was struggling, to, you know, with her stuff and I was struggling with my things. And that's what's so, you know, we each had, we each had our blisters those days and we got through it together. And, and, uh, and that's, you know, the magical things that happen, right? Yeah, that's right. Wow, what a great story. And blisters heal, don't they? Blisters heal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I read a quote at the top of the, the interview about adventure. So where does this adventurous spirit come from for, for you? I, I know when we last spoke, you, um, talked, you talked about your upbringing in Eagle, Idaho, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. I'm certain there there are people in your community who yeah. were born and raised the same way who don't have that spirit, that spirited adventure. Yeah. I I actually grew up in far northern California, and my my father was a a rancher and a and a, and a, and a real cowboy. He he and my actually youngest brother rode their horses from Lake Tahoe to Canada. Wow. Um, and on the Pacific Crest Trail, and um, I grew up with my dad. Um, you know, go, going in the wilderness and he had a string of horses and mules and we packed all over the place and camped and, and, um, and hunting and fishing and all that type of stuff. So I grew up doing not backpacking a lot, but not, nothing quite like the Camino, but yeah. I, I learned from my dad, I think the, uh, the, the yearning to know what's over the next hill. And, um, I, you know, um, whether it be walking or just, I love to get out and drive in the country and go out and look at stuff. So where that comes from, I probably my dad, but at the same time is, um, you know, we can sit at home and watch people do things on TV, or we can get out and, and make our own, our own stories. And, and I, I like to go out and, and, uh, get out and, and, and look at stuff. I mean, you can't, you can't, you you have to experience a sunrise or a sunset. You can't watch it on TV, right? No, that's right. That's right. Actually, it's really interesting you should say that because on New Year's Eve, I, I did a gig on the harbor and we had the, the best view of the fireworks and I was standing there and people were filming it on their phones and I was saying, why don't you, why don't you just watch it? Like, what are you doing? And they all looked at me like I was, yeah. you know, weird or something. I don't know. I, I think I have that perspective where I'd rather watch it than film it. I'd rather live it than, yeah. than, than you know, read about it, I guess. Maybe that's what the wanderlust in me is saying. Go and experience it for yourself. So the book, uh, Sacred Blisters, it's now finished. Did you get a sense or have you a sense now that you've accomplished something in, in terms of having captured a certain part of your life it's now history yeah great great question i for me i i think it's also it's part of partly that but it's also locking in those memories 
mm. you know, and as I was putting it together, I, I, little things would come. I forgot about that, or I forgot about that guy or that story or, or that piece of it. So it was a way to relive some yeah. of the adventures and it was a way to, um, to, to kind of smile or, 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 or um, even be sad in some things with remembering, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't put in the, in the story because I think they were real personal things with different people I met. Um, actually, you know, it's, it's real, you know, this more than anybody because of what you do on the, on, on, with regards to being the, uh, the godfather of the Camino and all the people you huh. talk to, uh, everybody's, everybody's favorite Camino <laughs> uncle, <laughs> but I don't know about that. It, well, you know, you, but the relationships that you, you get on the Camino, whether you meet somebody for uh, 10 minutes or you meet them for 10 days walking with them, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever that is, the relationships are different and meaningful because you can communicate without distractions and you can do all these things. So um, it just real interesting is there was a guy that I walked with, with for maybe two days on my first Camino. Um, his name is Robert from New York. And he's going through some some personal issues at the time. And, and, and I'll let him tell that someday if he wants to. But a real emotional stuff he was dealing with. And, um, you know, uh, he just unrelated to the book. He, he, he called me just the other day. So, I mean, this was like six years later. I still have this connection with these people that I met you know, that I've met through the years, these, these pilgrims and um, so many people, our lives have intertwined on so many levels because of the Camino. Mm. And the book to me was a way to, um, to continue that, that meshing, that, that feeling, that connective, that happy, that, uh, you know, being a part of something, that warmed heart, that everything that you, all those emotions that, that when you think about the Camino, and and anybody that's walked it in the past knows that the second they're they're back home, all they're thinking about is you know how can I get back? Yeah. Um, because that feeling we all want again, and and I, uh, you know, I, I'm when I'm there, I I can't stop smiling. You know, yeah. I just get so happy when I'm, you know, I'm saying it. You know, we have hard times walking over mountains or in the rain or in the heat or whatever it is. Uh, it's still I'm I, I'm still a pep in my step and and happy because. Uh, I'd rather be nowhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Maria, your wife? So 30 years now uh, you've been together and, and you met in Spain when you were in your mid-20s. What does she make of this fascination, your fascination with Spain? Well, it's kind. Of, I could say I'm going to say it two ways, and they're kind of conflicting a little bit. <laughs> On the one hand, every once in a while she'll say, you know, I maybe get a little cantankerous or a little... Uh, something and she'll say you know it's about time you get back on a camino <laughs> you know you're, you're, you need to you need to reset maybe oh, yeah. um but on the other hand I, I think there's a lot of couples that can do everything together all the time and they can be together all the time and i do uh i think the secret to our marriage is uh is is we can do our things separately and then come back and talk about it and um so so far the camino is kind of my thing yeah. And um, and she she uh, I'm very, very lucky that she um, uh, she, uh, you know, is, is happy to, to let me go do that and knows how important it is to me. Um, we've talked about doing it together, but we are so different that I'm not sure. I mean, she's physically totally capable of doing it, um, but she she hasn't, you know, um, 
I, I, we might do one of them someday, but for right now, I think it's, 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 uh, it's good that we have our own things. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. You, I remember one of your interviews years and years and years ago where you, um, somebody said that the best thing that they could tell somebody that was thinking about getting married was to walk the Camino together and then afterwards see if you still want to get married. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't remember, remember who it was, but you had... I remember that. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I th I think about that all the time because um, I think if we had walked the Camino before we got married, we probably wouldn't have got married <laughs> but, <laughs> because we're so different. But but um, and we and we 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 kind of handle those the types of stresses that are on the Camino very differently. But um, so with that, I think with for me personally, she she. Uh, uh, we, you and I talked about this in our last interview that uh, we've talked about me walking all day and then her meeting me where we are and, and drinking wine and, and and doing her Camino her way. Yeah. But um, we uh, we haven't done that yet. She, we're going her. She has a cousin getting married in June in, in Haka, which there is a Camino that walks through there. And, and Haka is on the base of the uh, Pyrenees, kind of near on Zaragoza. And uh in the foothills of Tarago. There is a side Camino that walks through there and we're going in June and I, I, I won't be able to do, to come back and do another Camino just because of the, the time and the money involved with, with, with doing that. So thinking about trying to break away and do two or three days over there. Um, I haven't quite, uh, she, I guess she'll hear this when she hears the podcast live that <laughs> I'm thinking about. <laughs> don't, don't let me be an agent of, of, of change in that respect so <laughs> the book uh sacred blisters is out now do you feel kind of like a dad who's 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 let his child go off to college you do you feel a bit like oh it's out there now it's out there are you frightened or excited uh, oh I'm, I'm i'm extremely i'm both and wow, yeah. the uh frightened part is you know like like sending your kids out into the world you always think maybe I could have done a little better here. I could have been a little better father here, or I could have done this a little better. And I'm, I'm kind of having those things like, you know, maybe I should have added this chapter or maybe I should have changed that person's name. Anytime I get a call from somebody that, that I mentioned in the book, I'm thinking, Oh, it's him, them calling to complain to me that I, 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 I did. So I wrote something wrong about our, our time and I wish I would have used a different name or something, but, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it, but I'm proud of it for me. Um, and you know, someday my kids will be able to look at it and say, you know, look what dad did. And, uh, and then, you know, that part of it, um, you know, I did, uh, I'm, I don't have plans of grandeur of retiring as, as an author. It was more of a fun project to do. Yeah. And I hope, I hope people that they, they enjoy the stories and those that have walked it, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to, uh, recognize different spots and different parts of the story that they know and, and, and the feelings and the emotions and those that haven't walked it, I hope it instills the want for them to, 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 to want to feel those same types of, of uh, emotions. Well, it certainly does that. I love the historical aspect of it. And I loved that I could take myself back to some of those places and think to myself, I didn't know that I walked through that area that town that city and i didn't know that so that i really loved that aspect of it the other aspect i loved of it was you being honest right you telling the story and opening up uh, sharing a lot about yourself about 
and about your relationships and your relationship with Spain as well. So where to from here, my friend? Other Caminos on the on the horizon? Are, are there are there other books? Are there other journeys? Are there other photographs? Is there more fishing? What's what's in Steve's future? Come on. <laughs> all of the yeah, above. Well, all, all of the above. I, <laughs> I I'll tell you this. I you know I I jokingly tell everybody all the time if it, if it wasn't for 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 stupid work and family I'd walk the Camino all the time. <laughs> you know I say that jokingly. Obviously um I hope my son I, my youngest is seventeen I I hope uh, we get to do the Camino in the next couple of years. Um, and I hope to do more with my daughter and, and, um, you know, someday maybe even grandkids. And, um, and, and again, I hope to be able to, to do it as long as I'm able. And when I'm no longer able to walk it, maybe I'll do like some of the pilgrims do it on horseback, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. whatever I can do. I, 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 I want to do it till I can't do it anymore. And, um, and I, and I, I, did you follow that young lady, that young Spanish lady that walked from Spain back to the Holy Lands? No, I think her name was. Uh, oh my gosh, she walked. She walked from Spain all the way to to, to uh, Jerusalem. Just this, she just got there um, right. I think she walked into Jerusalem right around Christmas. I do know who you're um, talking about. I do know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Car- Carlotta. I think her name is Carlotta. She's from Madrid, and she's like early twenties, mid twenties. Wonderful, fascinating woman. I hope to be her when I when I when I when I'm able to do that, where I can just go walk and walk and walk and meet new people. Um, and I, you know, I there are so many there there. You had a, a pilgrim. You had a, a person from the from the um, pilgrims' office on one time that talked about. I might have been you. One of the podcasters did that talked about how many thousands of miles there are, and they said that there are fifty thousand miles of trails that network all throughout Europe. And I, I, I realize in my lifetime I won't get fifty thousand of them, but dang it, I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to do as many as I can. And so, I always finish by asking the same question these days: Tell us a Camino story. There are so many of them to tell, and from so many different ones. And and you know, the great thing about the Camino stories is you share that memory with other people. Um, one of the stories I, t- I won't tell that one, but just because you asked it that way, one, um, there's a lady from Canada that, um, I walked with, um, Bridget on my first Camino. And, uh, just today, she just happened to send me a, um, a note on, on Facebook messenger. And she said, you remember that time that that happened? And, and we both laughed about it. And, and, uh, I said, yeah, in fact, it's a chapter in the book, <laughs> you know? So we both had that memory. That was so, yeah. that was so, so good. Um, I, oh, I have a great, I have a great, I have a great story. Um, there was, there's a, 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 a German fellow that I met on my first Portuguese route. I did the central route two years ago. And this, this guy was really, really an interesting guy. He, he actually ironically lived in the town where Martin Luther was from in Germany. And he grew up in Eastern Germany before the wall came down. And, uh, and he, he worked for a, school of chat it was a catholic charity that he worked there to uh, um for kids problem kids lived in the school it was a full-time school where where kids lived and he was like a counselor living there and he was not not catholic not religious at all and one of the things i learned you know quickly on the camino sometimes 
the most Christian people you meet are not Christian at all in the way that they live and the way they do. They, he was, uh, he was an atheist, but probably the most loving, giving person I've ever met from the standpoint of, you know, yeah. not coming from that side of things. And and then to boot, working at a, at a, at a for a school that's religiously parochial um, in nature. And so the funny story, we're, we're talking one day about where we all were the week before, you know, we were on the Camino. And, uh, you know, one of the, the one girl that was with us, she she was traveling in um, Ireland and there was another couple that they were Portuguese and Polish and they were traveling in, in Portuguese in Portugal together. And I'd said, I was on a work trip in Boston. I flew from Boston to here. And, and, and the German, the German guy said, um, oh, I was in Rome. And we said, what were you doing in Rome? He says, well, I was there with a group of the students. He said, I, I was meeting with the Pope. I said, you were meeting with the Pope. And he said, yeah. And so here's the guy that's, that's, that's an atheist. But the week before we're on the Camino, he was meeting with the Pope. And I said, you mean you, you saw him up in the window in the Vatican, you know, like everyone sees the Pope? He says, no, I, I and he pulled up his phone. He had a picture of him standing there talking to the Pope. Wow. And I said, how you were talking to the Pope last week? He says, well, I took a group of these students there from the school. And I said, this is the best part of all. I said, so what were you talking about? And he said, mostly soccer. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, you know, um, Germany and um and Argentina played each other in the in the World Cup the year before. They, this was, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. And he said, he said, um, he said, yeah, we talked about soccer. And he says, you know, the Pope's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> and there I go. that you know the people you meet. I I just met this guy on, on the Camino, and he's you know here we are talking. And first off, we go through we're having all these religious conver conversations and. And, you know, about all these things and about how people are and whatnot. And here, the guy who's unaffiliated, so to speak, and the week before he was hanging out, talking soccer with the Pope, you know, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's great. Oh, gosh, the people you yeah. meet. I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's yeah. just amazing. Well, yeah. look, talking about people that you meet, you and I have been in contact for years now. Uh I can't wait till the day I can shake your hand, Steve. But in the meantime, uh, congratulations on the book, Sacred Blisters, out now via Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and doing very, very well. And I hope you do very, very well with the book and continue to walk on, my friend. Continue to, to love life and love those who love you. And I wish you all the very best. Congratulations on a wonderful book, a great achievement. And keep walking, my friend, and we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Thank you, Dan. My guest this week, Steve Walther. The book is called Sacred Blisters, and you can get it via Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And I've read it, and I loved it. It's fantastic. A little bit of history, a little bit of insight, but more than anything, it's about pilgrimage and all of our shared love of the Camino de Santiago. And again, I want to read Katie Trulson's post it was an anonymous quote, like a, one of those memes, I think it's called. I don't know much about the internet or the Facebook or anything like that. But it said, when I say I want to travel, I don't mean I want to stay at fancy resorts or buy keychains from souvenir shops. When I say I want to travel, I mean I want to explore another place and become part of it. I want to discover coffee shops and hidden streets in Europe. I want to hike mountains and walk along quiet beaches. I want to meet people who are not like me, but people who... I can like all the same. 
I want to photograph the people and places I see. I want my mind to be in constant awe of life on earth. I want to see things with new eyes. I want to look at a map and be able to remember how I was transformed by the places I have been to, the people I have met, and the things I have seen. This, I think, is what is at the heart of adventure, and that is exactly why I plan on making my life one. Adventure makes us grow, makes us love, makes us live, just like Steve Walther. And just like you and me, we share this love of El Camino de Santiago. A very special thank you, as always, to my Patreon sponsors. You can sponsor me by going to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way.